Liran Hirschkorn here, your host of the e-commerce mindset podcast. I'm excited about this interview. I just finished with Greg Mercer, uh, CEO and founder of Jungle Scout uh, and an eight-figure seller. Uh, so he has a lot of unique insights into what's happening in the Amazon marketplace from a seller perspective uh, to having conversations with a lot of sellers to obviously, um, you know, overseeing Jungle Scout and you know the access to the type of data that Jungle Scout has and having a bigger picture view of what's happening within the Amazon on marketplace. Um, so we talk about Greg's thoughts on the upcoming Q4, what the challenges and opportunities are going to be, um, how the marketplace has evolved this year with COVID, how new sellers can still come in and compete. We talk about other marketplaces as well as what's next with uh, Jungle Scout, some things they've recently introduced to help you grow your reviews, um, as well as utilizing the uh, product database to reverse engineer your competitors' uh, suppliers. So I think you'll enjoy this uh, interview. Um, it's sponsored by IncrementumDigital.com. That is my sponsored ads agency. Right now, we're putting in strategies in place ahead of Prime Day. Um, I'll probably do another episode um, just talking about uh, that particular opportunity and what we're doing on the Amazon ad side uh, ahead of Prime Day. You can reach out to me at liran at incrementumdigital.com if you want to talk about uh, having us help you with your uh, Amazon uh, ads. You can also email me if you're looking for uh, inventory financing. So I'm part of a company that is lending to uh, sellers. Uh, and if you're looking for inventory financing, we actually just lent uh, somebody uh, $900,000 uh, for the growth of their business over the next year. Um, you can reach out to me as well. Um, and I'm also part of a group that is buying brands um, and we're looking to acquire businesses over a million dollars in revenue. Um, if you are looking to sell your business, you can email me as well. Enjoy this interview with Greg Mercer of Jungle Scout. Okay, so I'm um, super excited to have uh, Greg Mercer with us uh, on the podcast uh, today. I think most of you uh, likely know uh, Greg Mercer is the founder and CEO of uh, Jungle Scout, which is a uh, leading software for Amazon sellers. It's one of the first uh, tools that that I've uh, used when I started selling on Amazon uh, in 2014 with, with the Jungle Scout uh, Chrome extension. Uh, Greg is an eight-figure seller and who's launched more than 100 private label products uh, on Amazon uh, himself and, and also very involved within the Amazon uh, community and now leads a team of uh, 125 plus uh, employees who are working hard at uh, Jungle Scout to bring solutions for uh, Amazon sellers uh, and brands. Um, welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks a lot for having me on. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to chat with you. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm looking forward, you know, we're We'll get into um, you know some questions, but I'm looking forward to uh, we're we're, we're uh, hosting co-hosting Jungle Scout and myself a uh, a new PPC mastermind um, series that's going to last the next six weeks. Actually, starting uh, on today's recording Thursday uh, with the first session, we're going to dive deep into kind of like from beginner to more advanced tactics on PPC. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I wanted to um, you know kind of. Um, you know, we're, we're now about a month away from Prime Day uh, coming up, which which is really interesting because, you know, it's the first time it's happening in, in the Q4, fourth quarter. Uh, wanted to get kind of your take on, you know, what you think Q4 is going to look like this year. There's there's a lot of things that are 
you know, I think up in the air in terms of for sellers in terms of like sales volumes, uh, logistics, uh, being able to merchant fulfill, you know, uh, will Amazon be able to handle the volume and the orders? Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, what what this uh, coming fourth quarter and what like Prime Day is going to look like? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll start off with saying that I have no idea. No one does, but I'll give you my best guess. <laughs> That's all I've got. Okay, sounds, sounds good. Um, to start off, I would be pretty confident that this will be the biggest Q4 kind of an online history. I mean, each one uh, gets a little bit bigger than the rest. But if we look at just the trends of e-commerce this year, uh, as we all know and recognize, they're significantly up. Uh, compared to prior years, primarily because more people are shopping online and less people are going out to stores. Uh, some of the mom and pop shops have gone out of business because they haven't been able to kind of work through the quarantine things. So uh, I think probably everyone would be in agreement that this will be the biggest Q4 ever. That's also shown just by Amazon and how they literally have like no more fulfillment center space left. Things there are very crowded. And I think that's the biggest thing that is going to provide challenges for um, for the third-party sellers. So I think, you know, myself included in all the other third-party sellers I talked to, no one's concerned about sales. I think everyone thinks that there's going to be a ton of sales this Q4 because most people have had uh, kind of like the best year in history for them. But... What's everyone, what everyone's worried about is the ability to store items at Amazon, take advantage of the FBA program, if Amazon's equipped to handle this influx. And that's the, I think that's the question that's much harder to answer. I, with, uh, you know, Prime Day happening in October, it's my understanding that essentially right after that, starting at the beginning of November, Amazon's going to be pushing like holiday shopping really hard starting then. And I think it's their goal to, instead of condense all holiday shopping in between like Black Friday and Christmas, to try to instead spread that out throughout, uh, well, now, you know, even into October with Prime Day. But I think it's their goal to mm -hmm. spread that out throughout November and December because I guess like the same amount of shopping spread over a larger period of time is much easier for them to keep up with the uh, significant increase in demand. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think Amazon is going to try, like you said, starting with uh, prime day, you know, to really, to really encourage that uh, holiday shopping so that they can, they can keep up with, with demand. And yeah, I happen to think also that having the capability to merchant fulfill may be, really important this q4 if if amazon has issues with with uh with you know uh fulfilling i mean do, do you know other than other than merchant fulfilling i mean anything else sellers you know can really do to to prepare for you know what may happen if yeah if amazon can't handle the volume is merchant fulfilling like the main thing you should be able to be able to do or, or are there other things you would kind of do to you know prepare for potential you know, inbound shipping problems or, or Amazon fulfilling. Yeah. So the, I know at least for myself, and I think most other sellers would agree the, like the biggest, well, I think there's two challenges. One would be the restrictions on how much inventory you can send in. Uh, especially mm -hmm. so if you have a, a poor quality IPI score. So you could be thinking about ways mm -hmm. to try to get that up as soon as possible. 
Um, but besides that, the biggest challenge for me during the holidays is essentially booking appointments at Amazon to unload my containers and like the mm -hmm. delays associated with that. So one, um, one thing that I've been doing more of this year and I like quite a bit is taking advantage of the uh, AGL program or it's, um, it's Amazon's like global shipping services. And how mm -hmm. this works is instead of using a different freight forwarder to get your goods all the way to Amazon's warehouses, instead, all you have to actually do is just get it to the port in China. And one, it's a lot more simple. Uh, for less than container loads, it's definitely been cheaper for me. For full container loads, it's about the same or maybe a little bit more expensive. But the nice thing about it is you don't have to worry about... Um, setting the appointment or getting uh, push off an appointment and having to wait a few more weeks to unload your container and things like that. Essentially you just drop it off at the port in China and it's handled from there. And it seems to overall be like a smoother process. So yeah, if you haven't checked out uh, AGL or let's see, that stands for Amazon global logistics. I would uh, mm -hmm. recommend checking that out. Yep. Uh, yeah. I've heard, uh, I've heard some, some other people that have mentioned they've had good, good experience with it. Um, okay. So that's a great tip. Um, so Jungle Scout is, you know, has obviously a lot of data and I think you, I think kind of sees, sees itself really as uh, very much a data, data driven, you know, company. So from, from like a, you know, bigger picture view standpoint, what are, you know, I guess the trends that you've noticed this year, obviously as, as COVID has affected the marketplace and as far as, you know, some predictions maybe, or, and, and like you said, no, nobody really knows, you know, anything, but like how, you know, will, will this trend keep up into let's say 2021? It doesn't seem like, um, you know, it doesn't seem like we're getting out of, you know, COVID like soon or quickly necessarily uh, as far as like, you know, life going back to, you know, maybe exactly what it was before um, quickly. So like, how does that play out as far as, you know, sellers that are, you know, maybe looking at products that may benefit from, you know, pandemic or, you know, whether, whether it's products that took off early on, like indoor fitness products or, you know, backyard toys or, mm -hmm. or, or even PPE, kind of, PPE kind of stuff. Like what is like from, from sort of having access to a lot of data, um, what are like the biggest takeaways that somebody can look at and, and take away from what's what's been happening in the market? Yeah, great question. This is the stuff that I get excited about. I'm kind of like a data geek at heart. And as you mentioned, mm -hmm. that's a lot of the foundation that Jungle Scout's built on. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess let's start with just kind of like um, what change we saw with Amazon when the uh, kind of the pandemic hit. And Within a relatively short period of time, so like in a one month period, uh, essentially the demand on Amazon as a whole increased roughly 50% from where it was at like pre-pandemic. Wow. Now that's, you know, some people are probably listening to this and they're like, oh, well, I sell, um, you know, wedding decorations and my sales plummeted. They didn't increase 50%. So it's like there are, of course, niches in here that did much worse or much better than this. But if we look at it as a whole, it's up about 50%, which is pretty cool. Now, I was kind of expecting, I was, I was expecting for that to be a pretty short-term thing. So I was thinking like, okay, March and April, and then after that, things were starting to open back up. And I expected 
the demand on Amazon to essentially just return where it was pre, uh, like such a pre lockdown. And mm -hmm. what we've seen is actually uh, that not happen at all. <laughs> if I look at mm -hmm. like, you know, the kind of the data that we have or the information as a whole, not only has it sustained since where it was when uh, kind of like the lockdown has incur occurred, but actually like July, August and September were up a little bit compared to March and April, which is pretty crazy because those are typically a little bit slower months. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so like, what does all this mean? Or, you know, like how can you get, have like takeaways from this? And my biggest takeaway from this is I don't believe that e-commerce sales as a whole are ever going to go back to the levels that they were pre-COVID. I think what this did is this um, mm. accelerated a lot of the slow adopters, the people who didn't have uh, prime memberships yet, the people who, um, yeah, were just holding our, you know, kind of like stuck in their ways. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, the stores are going to be closed for a little while. Uh, I guess I'll try this online shopping thing like everyone else does. Then you get hooked on it, right? It's like, it's so easy. The selection's better. Mm -hmm. The prices are better. It's like, how could you not get hooked on it? And I think that's what's happened. And I think we'll see this like elevated level of demand. Like, I mean, I just don't think it's ever going to go away. I think it's just going to kind of continue on this path. So it's pretty crazy because um, the if we think about like the level of retail sales, and the amount of penetration that online retail sales had. Pre-COVID, it was only about 10, 11, 12%, depending on kind of what source you look at. During COVID, that went up to about 20%. So 20% of all retail sales are now happening online. And it's like it, and as you can imagine, that increases a couple percent each year or whatever. So it's like during this very short period, it took this big step jump from let's call it 12% of all retail sales penetration to 20. And then it feels like now it's just working off that base and it's going to continue to grow a few percent a year uh, into the future. Off that, off that new normal. And yeah, I think, you know, like you said, it kind of forced, forced a behavior change. And I would think that there were people who even, you know, were buying products online, but shifted to buy additional, right? Like grocery clothing, right? Like certain categories that maybe you were so used to going to the store, you now started buying online because you didn't want to necessarily leave the house, especially early, early as the, as the pandemic hit. So um, your belief is basically is that there's kind of like a new normal, new baseline. And now we're going to, now we're going to grow off of that uh, new baseline. And I guess what COVID did is like you said, it kind of accelerated maybe five or 10 years out the growth of, uh, of e-commerce and, uh, and uh, of yeah. Amazon. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so that, and, you know, obviously COVID is, is, a is a terrible thing that happened, but, you know, I think a lot of us are really thankful that we're in a, we're in an industry that, you know, that has grown, uh, tremendously during this time and that there's, there's a big opportunity, uh, now and going forward on Amazon, you know, the, the way, you know, I kind of viewed it as like, you know, I think there was like this golden time to get into Amazon around, you know, 2012 to 2015, a lot of sellers got in and had a lot of success during those years. And then like sort of like a new window has opened up to be able to, you know, to come in as there's so much like the pie is getting so much bigger and there's so much more um, opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of speak, speaking to that, um, you know, the, the market has kind of evolved too, right? Like in, in my 
view, you know, some of some of the smaller, let's say, sellers that got into private label proved that this model works really well. And now you have, you know, bigger players that are coming in. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen, um, you know, I, I personally know of like, you know, 10 roll ups right now that are like, you know, building, you know, co-founders of, of you know, uh, of major companies that are like now I see on like the websites and part of the teams of, you know, like public company uh, co-founders, et cetera, that are like coming into the space and want to acquire Amazon uh, brands. And if, if, you know, if I've seen 10, there's probably, you know, hundreds or a hundred plus uh, of these people, come, you know, uh, companies coming in that want to acquire uh, brands. Um, so the question is, how does that change the marketplace? Um, and, you know, as far as like opportunity for new sellers coming in, you know, in 2000 and 15, 14, you can come in with, you know, five to $10,000 and start um, and have uh, and have a chance to, to succeed. Like, how is how do you think that changes as far as like what newer sellers, you know, need to have in place uh, to be able to come into, you know, private label and compete on Amazon? Yeah, the so I guess I have a few different thoughts around that. One is I totally agree with you that right now is like a golden time to get into Amazon. Um, I started selling in 2013 and I also agree with you that back then it was also a little bit more of the wild, wild west, super easy to get reviews. There wasn't much competition. Uh, you know, like back then was a good time to start. And really since then, I haven't seen as like, is as good of an opportunity as now. And I can actually even like, uh, back that up with pure data. Like the difference right now between mm -hmm. supply and demand and demand and competition is like the best or it's the most favorable for sellers as it has been in a really long time. So that's pretty cool. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Like if sales on Amazon just jumped 50% yeah. overnight, it's like the number of products or the number of sellers, they didn't jump 50% overnight, right? That's a ton. We're talking about like, we need another yeah. million, uh, you know, like, uh, well, or like we need essentially like another million sellers or a million uh, small businesses to meet the amount of new demand that jumped overnight. So that's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, but as far as yep. how do the, you know, like this institutional money or these larger organizations come in, like how does that affect how, uh, you know, maybe the solo entrepreneur or small business should think about it? Um, I think one it validates that it's a good opportunity. You know, these people with lots of institutional money that they need to invest recognize that like, dang, like Amazon's where the future's at. There's a lot of small businesses that are doing quite well. Um, you know, they have a lot of money to invest and they don't want just a business selling a million dollars a year. And that's why it's typical for them to do these larger roll-ups. So one, it's like, it validates that it is a great opportunity. And then, but as far as like long-term, is it like, okay, are these big guys going to take over Amazon? And the way that I think about it is there's, there are some economies of scale when we think about an Amazon business, but there's other things that don't necessarily mm -hmm. favor larger companies. So an example is if we talk about Amazon's ranking algorithm, they maybe with the exception of like when you first start an account and it's kind of un unproven, I haven't seen any data or like solid information to lead me to believe that Amazon ranks larger seller accounts or larger businesses better than small businesses. Right. 
So it's like all other things being equal, right. you have the same product, same quality listing, whatever else. You have just as good of a chance to get that in front of customers as what the world's largest Amazon business has. So that's like, so it's like from that standpoint, it's like, okay, like why would you be scared of any of the larger organizations? Uh, I would say there's two areas where they probably would have some economies of scale. And that is primarily around freight pricing, which uh, ends up being a uh, usually like a fairly significant portion of costs. And then um, if they're purchasing a lot from the same factories, they're probably also getting better pricing from the factories. Um, so, you know, it's like, okay, so they, mm -hmm. they would have those advantages, assuming that uh, they're shipping a lot and they're purchasing from the same factories. But it's like, okay, they have a slight advantage there, but there's also just this aspect of an entrepreneur in a small business and like this will to win and like caring so much more about their small business and the products that they have. And that's, that's like a really special something. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, that, uh, like, it's amazing what like a sole entrepreneur can achieve or accomplish or get done in a day compared to larger organizations. And I think a primary purpose of that is just like the will and the desire to win and really care about this, these small amount of products that you have. So that was a really long-winded way of saying yeah. that I wouldn't be overly concerned about these different um, or this institutional money coming into the FPA space. Yeah, and and you know what you mentioned it. I had one of the uh, founding members um, of of Thrasio mm -hmm. on the podcast, and um, one of the biggest challenges he said, you know, and and the, we kind of talked about for them is. Yeah, getting that that you know employee number two hundred you know in the company to care totally. as much, right? They never will. Brand owner who, who just who just sold, yeah, who right. just sold them the business, right? Um, and and yeah, that is something that I you know I think like the the smaller scrappy entrepreneur who's up you know at ten o'clock at night looking at their business you know is not something that you're going to have at a um, you know at a at a at a much bigger company with a lot of employees and and people that are not tied in, right? They didn't pick that product. They didn't negotiate with the, with the supplier. They didn't deal with the, you know, sometimes headaches of, you know, overcoming totally. challenges. Or Amazon. they don't take that like uh, one negative uh, review to heart and lose sleep over it. And like, want nothing more than to fix that problem of why they got that one star review. It's just, it's a special thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, w what about from a, you know, sort of from a creative, you know, listing quality images video all that um you know as these companies come in and invest more right like the the bar has kind of been mm -hmm. raised a little bit on amazon uh as far as far as your creative and and maybe what you might need to invest as far as like your packaging your listing quality um probably probably more so today than what you needed to have let's say sure. back in 2020 yeah i think again i have some kind of like mixed feelings on that like on one hand it's like, all right, the, you know, I don't know a handful of uh, businesses that are pure Amazon 3P sellers that have dozens or one has close to a hundred employees. And of course they have a whole creative team and great graphic designers and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, on one hand, okay, they're going to be pretty good at that. Um, and if you're just a, you know, a, a sole entrepreneur and you don't have those skills, you're either going to have to fork up some cash to get some good, um, some good design work done or some good packaging work done or that type of thing. So on one hand, I, I can see where there's a little bit of an advantage there. 
There's another aspect though that I see, and that is, um, let's use this one business, for example, that I'm pretty familiar with. They have um, probably around 30 employees working on their business. I think they do about uh, 50 million a year on Amazon. And their designers create like a new set of packaging and new artwork and new photography for like one product a day. Okay, which is pretty impressive rate. But Mm -hmm. what happens and what I notice, and what's missing there is they don't understand the product well. They don't understand what's different or better about their product. They don't understand what the end customer really cares about. Like if their quote is essentially to create one new listing with packaging per day, they don't have time to figure out like, what do customer, like why would customers want to buy this instead of our competitors? And I think that's something that, again, just like these scrappy entrepreneurs that just have a lot of passion for their business and really understand the product that they're buying and stuff do a better job at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's definitely that, that advantage to knowing your product, knowing knowing your market, um, using some of the tools that are out there, like like pick food to to take the time to poll audiences, et cetera. Um, you know, I heard you, um, you know, talking about a little bit about like products. Um, I heard, um, uh, I heard you, you, you are on a, on another podcast. Uh, I, I was listening to sometime earlier this year. And one of the things you talked about was how like the biggest sellers you see don't really differentiate products all that much. They're, they're launching, you know, maybe into like, you know, more competitive spaces um, and just, finding i guess finding opportunities within those those spaces so you know a lot of people talk about you know you really need to differentiate your products i wanted you to maybe, maybe you can kind of expand on that because um it was sort of surprising you know right to hear right that the biggest the, big, the biggest sellers are launching like me too products and and that's right. the way they're having success <laughs> yeah it's funny right the um i guess like if all I did was um, read content from uh, people kind of like in the space or listen to podcasts, I am pretty confident I would be under the assumption that the only way to succeed on Amazon is like creating a brand and differentiating your product really well and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I don't, I don't have anything against that. (laughs) Like, a lot of my best products are differentiated and there's something that's better about them. So uh, I'm not saying that doesn't work, but one thing that I just found really fascinating over the past few years is when I, so as you can imagine, I just work with like tons of sellers all the time, whether it's, you know, at conferences or use their product or we're doing interviews or whatever else, like tons of them. And what was fascinating Mm -hmm. was when I look at these businesses that are doing, um, 20, 40 or hundred million dollars a year on Amazon, and I really start to like dig in, ask them about their business and whatever else. Um, it's like, or, and when I, uh, so sorry, when I, to clarify, when I say that, I'm talking about the businesses that specialize in like just selling third-party goods on Amazon. And pretty much all of them are importing their goods from uh, China. So I'm not talking about businesses that already had an existing mm-hmm. line of products and are selling them on Amazon. I'm just talking about the ones that are focusing on importing goods right. from China and selling them on Amazon. And what was fascinating was like, none of them have very different, like are differentiated products. And uh, I mean, a, a very common theme was yeah that none of them had differentiated products. They don't care about their brands off Amazon. 
And they're really just launching a whole bunch of Me Too products and they've built systems to be hyper-efficient in every piece of the uh, the supply chain and the marketing and the, the advertising on Amazon. And they've just, they just win by doing that. So it's pretty interesting, right? <laughs> it's kind of like a fascinating thing. Yeah. 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 I, I found, yeah, I found it to be very fascinating. So it's really the advantages that come from, from the efficient operational efficiencies and the marketing knowledge or effective marketing. So they're buying, you know, a container where you might be buying, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 500 units or they're, you know, able to negotiate with suppliers. They, they have some efficiencies in terms of their operations and, and cost. Um, and I mean, would you say, would you say like they were better capitalized? Like maybe they're, they can go into these products because, you know, they're willing to lose money for six months, um, you know, in order to break into some of these markets or that it's really just like having a deep understanding of like, okay, here's what it takes to, to rank. Here are the keywords we need to go after. Here's how we generate, um, you know, reviews um, and, you know, understanding like Amazon PPC well to, you know, be able to, to, to convert and price well, yeah. et cetera. Like are, are those, you know, are those the elements or, or is it just having more capital to be able to break into those um, markets? So yeah, the, definitely the operational efficiencies, definitely the negotiating power, um, just finding fine tuning every little piece of their system. And then capital does, of course, play a large part in it. I would say that, uh, well, a, a piece of that's probably, you know, larger orders and get better pricing on. But the other piece of it is they're, uh, they accept that, uh, you know, a good percentage of their products are going to fail. So, you know, like, um, let's again, use that company that, uh, I think they'll do 40 or 50 million this year, like 30 employees or whatever else they launch like 50 or 60 products every month. And they know that, that, what? um, I would have to ask them, I don't know for sure, but it like, they know that 30% of those are going to fail. And that's mm -hmm. just kind of like built into it that 30% of them fail. Maybe they break even on that first shipment. Maybe they lose a little bit of money, but it's just like built into the overall system there. So yeah, I mean, if you're a, mm -hmm. a sole entrepreneur and you have 10,000 bucks in your bank account, um, you obviously can't like necessarily play at that same scale where you're launching 60 products a month uh, and you know 20 of those are going to fail. Right, right. So, so somewhat of a, somewhat of a, uh, of a numbers game as opposed to sellers who start out, they launch one product and, you know, if they don't necessarily have success, maybe they stop there as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to launch five products and maybe three of those are going to be, um, you know, going to be keepers. And then I can use sort of those profits to, you know, reinvest. Yeah, totally. and, launch, and, and I think that's products. also why, um, um, why it is more important if you're a really small business or a sole entrepreneur to try to differentiate your product more, because that is going to give you a much higher chance of success for that one product. And like, if you only have enough cash to launch one product, you know, you need your success rate to be 95%, not 60%. Right. Right. So it's very much, you know, yeah, sort of like what's your, capital keep capabilities are right if you have you know if you have 50 grand you can maybe go launch five six products and take take some chances as opposed to having one product where you really need to focus on that 
that differentiation and probably I would think go into a, a more niche area where you have a better chance to succeed, but you know, maybe your potential sales are five to 10,000 a month, yeah. not, you know, 25,000 a month um, on a product, on a product. And um, you know, this, you, you know, you got to pick your products based on uh, based on the chance, you know, you have st- for success and capital and decide if you're going to go into a niche market or kind of a, uh, a bigger market. Um, and I know, you know, that the jungle scout tools, um, they kind of show you, right. They show you like the, the level of competition and the opportunity when you're using the, um, when you're using the, the, the Chrome extension. So, um, what are, you know, I, I guess, what is the tool looking at to kind of tell you, like, you know, is this a good opportunity? Like when you type in a keyword and, and you're looking at a page, is it looking sort of at like, in terms of like, total sales on the page, as well as like search volume for, for keywords. I prefer to go by sales of the products or total sales on the page, as opposed to a search volume, because what you don't know, or what's very difficult to determine is what keywords those products on the page are getting their sales from. So just because they're showing up for the keyword that you search mm-hmm. for, it doesn't mean that they get any substantial amount of sales from that keyword. Um, you know, even if it's a high volume keyword, really. So that's why I prefer to just look at how well all the products there are selling. So, I mean, yeah, that's it. Like uh, I look at the, all the products, I see how much demand there is or how many unit sales those products have per month. And then I think about, okay, what, you know, would I be able to compete with these other listings? Are these all really tenured listings that have tons of reviews and um, offered for really competitive prices and, um, uh, really good marketing, all those types of things. If so, it's like, all right, this is going to be harder to compete. But if it looks like some like younger listings or listings that only have one picture and are kind of crappy and uh, the whole page isn't filled with products that look similar, things like that, then it's like, okay, I could. Uh, there's a much higher chance I could compete with uh, these people or these listings. Yeah, and um, you know, and then you can also using using the Jungle Scout tool, you can actually go in and using the kind of global supplier data that, that you provide to be able to go in and potentially find the same, the same factories that, that uh, some of those. Yeah, totally. Those I think that's are, like are most uh, maybe like underrated piece of jungle scatter, the piece that people use less. Cause like, man, the best way to find good factories is just to find who the factory is that's making the highest quality one on sale on Amazon and with the, the supplier database or with having yep. that trade data, um, it's not that hard to do. Like I, you know, I probably have a 75% success rate at being able to find out the factory of the, the highest quality item on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that eliminates, you know, a lot of your, 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 that eliminates a lot of the potential problems you may have. I, I had a product. Um, I was selling and um, Q4 came around uh, a couple of years ago and, you know, I just had all these returns and I went to my supplier uh, and I said, you know, what, what happened? And they're like, well, you know, we had seasonal workers for, uh, for, you know, the holiday and, you know, the quality wasn't as good. And then, you know, sort of by chance on Alibaba, I found my biggest competitors um, supplier who had, you know, 4.7 stars. And I knew right away when I found them that like, for the most part, my quality issues right. would be would be solved, right? So had I had I sort of known to be able to reverse engineer my top competitor, uh, my top competitor supplier in the first place, I, I wouldn't have you know sort of 
dealt with that, uh, with that, you know, quality issue. And yeah, you know, I think that's, there's so much data that you can extract from, from Amazon and that's a great way to go reverse engineer um, and kind of unique also to jungle scout as far as like, you know, offering, uh, offering this capability within, within their tool suite that, you know, other, other software tools don't, um, you know, don't provide. Um, so it's a really good way to, to find totally. potential, uh, potential factories. Um, I, I want to ask you um, a, a little bit about your thoughts on, you know, some of the other marketplaces coming and, you know, is Jungle Scout, you know, looking, the, you know, can, can you actually extract number one, like, you know, Walmart doesn't have, let's say a bestseller rank, you know, it, it will it ever be possible to extract. Um, and, and I guess if you have, if you have as a, as a software company, if you have data across sellers and you might be able to, to extract it even without a BSR, but um, you know, does, do, do you think about getting involved in, let's say Walmart? Um, I hear more sellers talking about it um, with my own agency, I have more sellers asking us like, Hey, do you manage Walmart advertising? Like there seems to be more people who are, um, you know, want to want to sell on Walmart and go into other, other marketplaces and, you know, I think sellers have this love-hate relationship with with Amazon, where they wish they can get more sales uh, outside of Amazon, but you know, it's not necessarily the, the case today. Like, what are your thoughts on like you know Walmart bringing in Walmart Plus? I mean, do do you think this is, you know, is this like getting into Amazon in you know two thousand you know ten two thousand eleven, where you know in five years you would have missed an opportunity if you didn't get into into Walmart, like a marketplace like Walmart? Um, or you don't think it's yeah, so a number of good questions in there. Um, so one, as far as, uh, like general scout supporting it, it's something we kind of constantly reevaluate. Um, as you probably know, we don't support it right now. We're kind of waiting mm -hmm. to the, maybe to the right time where they've picked up enough, uh, kind of economies of scalers, enough people interested in it that makes it worth our time. We are confident though, that we can still get, provide a lot mm -hmm. of the really high quality data, like sales or keyword search estimates for Walmart. Um, we have, yeah, just like the, um, the data science at jungle Scout's gotten so much more sophisticated over the past year or two. And we have just like all these other demand signals now across the entire internet besides just bestseller rank, um, which is pretty cool. And that's how we're able to increase accuracy mm -hmm. on Amazon, but then also have a whole bunch of really good insights off Amazon. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, stay tuned to that. We're kind of, yeah, I'd just say constantly reevaluating it. As far as Walmart and selling on there, I've been impressed with Walmart this year, as I think a lot of other sellers are. And that's why you hear a lot more about it this year than what you have historically. There's a lot more 3P sellers mm -hmm. signing up. There's more sales happening on their website. So like overall, it's just becoming more attractive. Um, I don't think it's quite to where Amazon was, let's say in 2011, 2012, all the sellers that I talked to and hang out with that have started selling there, sales have still been um, fairly low compared to what they're getting on Amazon. I think if you talk to the Walmart reps, they usually say you could expect about 10% of what, you, what your sales do on Amazon. When I talk to sellers, uh, I think most of them would agree that it's usually a little bit less than that. So you can, you kind of use that as a little bit of a guiding star. It, mm -hmm. it is still a little bit of, a, or it actually definitely still is like a wild, wild west on there as far as getting reviews and all that kind of stuff. It definitely reminds yeah. me of Amazon, uh, let's say six or eight years ago. 
So I don't know. I um I guess if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking mm-hmm. about like should I get onto Walmart? My personal recommendation would be if you're to the point where you've created a, a pretty large business, let's say like $10 million a year or more, I think that's the point where it starts making sense to diversify and start selling on other platforms. If you're, you know, just doing mm-hmm. uh, like under a million bucks a year, a few million bucks a year, I would actually probably still just stay focused on Amazon, especially right now, just because there's this big gap between kind of supply and demand. Yeah. Like I think you're uh, probably your biggest Mm -hmm. limiting factor is cash and the amount of time you have in a day. And I think both of those things right now are better spent on Amazon. Yeah. And, you know, and I've certainly seen um, myself also trying, you know, at at one point trying to do Shopify kind of sellers taking focus off Amazon, you know, trying Shopify or other things and, you know, not necessarily having the amount of sales they want and, you know, <laughs> sometimes taking their yeah. eye off the ball on, on, on Amazon. So, um, you know, and I, I think it's just because they're, yeah, like, you know, there's Amazon can also be very challenging, uh, you know, to, to deal with at times, you know, product gets taken down, you're dealing with support, you're not getting answers, like all this stuff. And I think sellers do sort of totally. yeah, desperately want to get sales off Amazon. But again, the reality is that, you know, that's where, I think it's easiest to have, uh, you know, yeah. to have uh, success, um, you know, as far as like, um, you know, uh, as far as like your, your, you know, journey in, in, in selling, you know, and starting like, um, what do you think? I mean, is the biggest lesson with Amazon is just to like, not give up, keep going, keep, keep launching products, learning, um, you know, because like, it's almost like you stay in the game long enough until, you kind of hit the levels of success, you know, that you want to, to reach or like, what, what would be like the biggest like lesson in, in being in this space for, totally. you know, I think you just hit the nail on the so. head there. I think it's the exact same lesson of uh, what it requires to be successful as an entrepreneur, or a, a small business owner. And that is um, the willingness to continue to learn and try to teach yourself new things every day. Um, and I think more important than anything else, I agree with you. Just what you said there is just like the determination and the, um, unwillingness to quit because starting businesses is hard. (laughs) You're going to run into problems. You're going to be pissed off at Amazon. Your supplier is going to screw you over on something. But the fact of the matter is that that's just business and like, that's going to happen. And what's more important than anything is not to get discouraged when those things happen, continue to push on. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the people that are best at just uh, not getting discouraged and keep pushing forward every single day, they're the ones that ultimately become successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Lastly, uh, Greg, what's what's the most exciting thing happening right now at at Jungle Scout um, as far as like, you know, what's, what's coming. I know, I know you're, you launched uh, the review requester um, and um, you know, you're also putting out, uh, you know, uh, consistent content through the jungle scout Academy. And um, I, I know the, the million dollar case study is like a super um, successful and helpful, you know, um, tutorial really on launching products on Amazon for, for sellers, like as far as the software or like what's coming um, you also mentioned investing a lot into like data science and getting better, like, What's, you know, what's most exciting about 
you know, what's what's happening with the with the tools and like what, you know, what's coming yeah. to, to Jungle Scout uh, that help sellers. I'm super excited about the review automation uh, uh, review request automator. For those of you listening who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, like a, instead of having to go into the order section and click on each order and do request a review, um, we made that easier to start by building that into our extension. So the extension would automatically request all of them for you. But what's even cooler now is you don't even have to use the extension anymore. You can just go into your Jungle Scout account flick a switch and it will automatically through Amazon's API send out those review requests for you. So it's a pretty sweet thing. Um, it's like, what's awesome about it is you just go in there, you flick a switch and then you just get more reviews and you don't have to worry about it anymore. So it's, it's pretty awesome. And uh, God. Yeah. And, and have you seen like, you know, what I'm, what I'm totally is just like more so many more coming in, it seems like for sellers yeah. at like a faster, faster pace. Um, and, and part of that I think is also cause you know, Amazon now doesn't make uh -huh. you necessarily write a review. You could just, you know, hit, hit a rating. So I think it makes it e easier, but, um, yeah, I think in large part to this request review, right? Like it, it seems like it's, it seems to be more effective way than like the old way. Oh, so much more effective. We did a study on it. You can find it on our blog somewhere, but like, uh, the month before compared to the mm -hmm. month after of someone, um, automating that review request. Um, I forget the exact number now, but it was like five or six X times as many reviews. And like, you can, you can see it on a graph that all of a sudden there's like just wow. this pivotal point where it's kind of like a hockey stick of how much faster they're receiving reviews. So I totally agree. It's way more effective than the email campaign thing. Um, yeah. As far as what else is, uh, kind of coming up with jungle scout. So like, if we, if we just kind of think about big picture of like how software tools for Amazon sellers have evolved over the past, let's say five years. Um, like, let's see, Jungle Scout came out six years ago at that point. It, the, the industry was just wide open. Like there were only a few tools out there. Jungle Scout was one of them. There was no competitors. Um, then there started to be competitors. I think it turned, or there was a whole bunch of different like point solutions. I think for the next few years, it was kind of like a little bit of like a feature war. Who has more features? People were building more features. And then I think what I witnessed was like a lot of the tools uh, mm -hmm. just, they did a whole, like a number of things, but they did it all like pretty poorly or like they did a pretty bad job at it. And then I think like more recently, what you're starting to see is tools are, you know, they still have a wide breadth of functionality like Jungle Scout does, but we're focusing much more on quality and the user experience and the ease of use and um, those types of things. And I think you're just going to see a lot more of that with Jungle Scout in the near future because it's to the point where it's like, okay, there's a bunch of tools that just do tons and tons of stuff, probably way more than a single Amazon seller needs. But what's more important is that it's working really well. The data is of super high quality. It's easy to use. It's easy to understand what's going on. Um, it's like providing recommendations for you or helping you uh, improve your business without you having to dig out the insights or the information from it. Um, so yeah, if, if we look at it on like a high level, that's what you can expect a lot more of from Jungle Scout, uh, kind of like in the near future. And um, yeah, we just want to be the uh, just the undisputed king of the uh, the tool pr that provides you the most value. It's the easiest to use. It by far has the highest quality data, and it's like it's just improving your business every single mm -hmm. day without you having to like do a lot of work. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. Well, uh, Greg, really, uh, really appreciate you uh, you coming on and taking the time to to share um, on the podcast and and coming on. Uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, series. If you subscribe to Jungle Scouts um, email list, um, you'll probably get uh, emails with. Uh, actually, I think the email is really useful. You get um, you know the links to the blog posts and data that Jungle Scout is is putting out and. Um, if you have the tools, then you have access to, to the academy as well. That's, um, you know, continuously has, um, you know, um, sort of mastermind series and, and um, trainings for sellers. I'm excited to do this uh, PPC mastermind series uh, with Jungle Scout. And um, thank you so much for, for coming on and, uh, and taking the time. And uh, yeah. We'll awesome. Thanks so much to, for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Fourth quarter plays out. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If there's any particular topic that you want to hear on the show or any particular guest that you think would be great to have on and interview for the podcast, uh, please reach out to me through social media or email to let me know. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the e-commerce mindset podcast.